All right, if you'll take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, while the children can be dismissed, children's church, go to Matthew 5. Thank you for being here today. I know it is not the easiest thing to uh, get out on a morning like this, but we're grateful for your faithfulness. You pray for those that couldn't make it today. I know we've got a lot tuning in as well and uh, watching it live, and that's a blessing too. We live in a world of conflict. There is resentment and anger everywhere you look. There's obviously great conflict in our world right now. Uh, according to what I read this weekend, there's 110 armed conflicts going on right now in the world. It's interesting to me, the UN was formed in 1945 for this express purpose, to have succeeding generations free from the scourge of war. Since then, we've had 450 wars. That's not the, uh, it didn't obviously work the way they hoped. There's also personal conflict. Americans will spend this year $420 billion, with a B, dollars on lawsuit costs alone. That's more than the gross domestic product of over 160 nations in the world, and we're going to spend it on basically legal costs. There is marital conflict. Over 50% of marriages will end in divorce. There is political conflict. A lot of that going on these days. huh? Who else loves election cycles? Isn't those fun? Uh, I don't know if you're getting the texts that I am. All day long I get the political texts and and evidently, I found out this week, I am the last remaining hope for like four different people. So I feel important, but uh, just getting those all the time. Each side is convinced that the nation is doomed if the other side wins. The only, pe- the only voters that aren't stressed out are the dead ones. They all vote for the same side anyway. So, uh, But I just said we don't need to get frustrated and hate and hateful and bitter. Amen. It, it seems that hate and anger is a way of life. But while that may be true, that is not the way of life for the Christian. Jesus has called us not to conflict, but to peace. Anyone here, as well as I am, interested in some peace? Having some peace? Peace in your home? Peace in your community? Peace in your church? Peace in your nation? Wouldn't it be great to have that characterize our lives? Today we come to the seventh beatitude on the Sermon on the Mount, out of the Sermon on the Mount. And we've seen already the Sermon on the Mount contains foundational principles that concern the way that we live. Uh, One person put it this way, There is nothing in the whole range of Scripture which so tests and examines and humbles us as these beatitudes. They show us standards of living far above what our general society lives like. And today we look specifically at being a peacemaker uh, that focuses on interpersonal relationships. This refers to people that carry with them a fire extinguisher, not a gasoline can. We both probably know both types of people. So let's read the verse, Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Heavenly Father, help us to be peacemakers. I pray that you challenge us from your word today. Help us to learn how and help us determine to determine to be a peacemaker. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
This beatitude when he said this had to have been maybe a little bit shocking, but certainly unwelcome to the sound of any uh, or to the ears of any zealot that was listening. We know that Jesus had two, one for sure, Simon the Zealot, perhaps two in Judah's zealots on his own team, and there would have been no doubt many listening, and they would not like to hear the word, blessed are the peacemakers. Political passions were strong. There was a lot of unrest going on, uh, and not so much different than what we're going through today. And in the middle of all this, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. And we want to look at today, first of all, the peacemaker identified. Again, the word behind blessed is happy. Uh, th that's what the word blessed means. So really you can switch out just to get an idea of what Jesus is saying is happy are the people that do this. Happy are the peacemakers. And uh, a peacemaker is a person who labors for the good of those around him. And the path of happiness then is being a peacemaker. His personality is instead of fanning the fires of contention, he seeks to restore unity. The peacemaker is one who has received the peace of God into his own heart, and then he brings peace to others. He's simply, uh, really more than one who simply brings peace between two parties, he spreads the peace of God that he has already experienced. He strives to get others right with God. He does so by having his feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. The title peacemaker is interesting when you break down the word. Uh, the original Greek word for peacemaker is irene poias, and irene is the Greek word for peace. We know it, uh, the Hebrew word is probably one we're more familiar with, shalom. In the Middle East, when someone says shalom to you, they are wishing good things as well as the absence of trials and burdens. But in the peacemaker, there is also a personal involvement. God's blessing is specifically to the peacemaker, not just one who loves peace, one who makes peace. The Lord is referring to those who actively intervene and get involved to make peace. To be a peacemaker is more than just talking about it. It means to bring peace where there is strife. It means to maintain peace where there already is peace. Not only the peace between man and man and interpersonal relationships, but also between man and God, uh, vertical as well as horizontal relationships. So this character trait of peacemaking will do two things. It'll strive to prevent contention and strife uh, between ourselves and our friends and our families and our neighbors. And it also strives to keep ourselves and help get other people right with God. In a way, peacemaking will evangelize. Peacemaking will give us a heart for the harvest. Can you find a better way to be a peacemaker than to bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ? Now let's look first, before we get into a little more detail about a peacemaker, let's talk about what a peacemaker is not. A peacemaker, being a peacemaker, is not to be a peace activist protester. All right, Peace is not appeasement. Uh, Winfield Scott said this, Peace won by compromise is usually a short-lived achievement. George Washington said, To be prepared for war is the most effectual ways, uh, means of preserving peace. President Reagan had a philosophy, Peace through strength. You can postpone conflict, uh, by appeasement, but this only uh, includes compromising what is right. If a person loves peace, uh, he goes about it the wrong way, 
then there's only going to be more conflict. There are many that think they love peace and what they simply uh, do is delay trouble for the future because they appease and they make compromises now and uh, they don't take the corrective uh, action that the circumstance demands. Appeasement does not make for peace. It just puts off the conflict. A great example of this is the history of Europe during the 1930s. Uh, they tried desperately to not make waves. They wanted to just, uh, they had a hope for peace, and this led to the rise of a wicked dictator named Adolf Hitler, and World War II was the result of it. But a true peacemaker is not afraid to make waves. A true peacemaker is not always tolerant. They will stand for right and righteousness. A peacemaker is a man of action. The word maker in peacemaker uh, denotes that this is not a passive person, but a source of peace. It's a dynamic word. It's bursting with purpose. He produces more than the absence of conflict. He pursues right in his life as well as the lives of others. The peacemaker gets involved. If a child is doing something destructive, the parent confronts that child. Uh, if a marriage is on the verge of implosion, the peacemaker confronts the problem. If, a, if there's sinful behavior in church, the peacemaker uh, tries to deal with it so it does not get out of hand. What this beatitude demands here is not passive acceptance of bad things. It's rather active confrontation sometimes of things. The making of peace is sometimes achieved through difficulty and risk and struggle, the peacemaker is willing to fight for right to bring about eventual peace. Compromise is not peace. Compromise only leads to more conflict in the future. So Christians should not compromise for peace. Listen to this. This sounds oxymoronic, but they should contend for peace is what Christians should do. To be a peacemaker requires at least two important requirements. Those are holiness and sacrifice. If you want true peace in your life, you need to have those two things, holiness and sacrifice. These are what Romans 14, 19 is talking about that we must pursue. It says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith we may edify one another. Follow after, diokado is the original word, to run swiftly in order to catch a person or thing. In other words, a peacemaker uh, is, is uh, running toward peace, trying to grasp it. Uh, he must be pure and he must be willing to pay the price. Now, there's a difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking. To keep the peace, you basically are intervening between two people that have a conflict. There are times when I was growing up that I had three brothers. Uh, two were all right. And uh, their other one, uh, would constantly, he would, he would beg me to beat him up. Just beg me. No, not as much beg as exists in my space. But you know what I'm talking about, about the same thing. And we would go at it until mom pulled us apart and sent us into two separate places, uh, uh, two different rooms oftentimes. That's peacekeeping, taking, uh, basically making their absence of conflict. But peacemaking is an effort to create an ongoing peaceful relationship. Sometimes that means sacrificing our comfort or our rights for the good of the family of God. Uh, it is a good thing to keep peace, but the Bible doesn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. They say blessed are the peacemakers. Our focus 
is found, or our direction for this is found in James chapter 3, verse 17. The Bible says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. Remember I said purity and sacrifice. This is your holiness right here. First pure, then peaceable, gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Peace, like happiness, is not found in its pursuit. It is a byproduct of doing the right thing. You see this in our nation. In the 1770s, our forefathers had to make a choice. They were being taxed without representation. Their liberties were being violated in many ways. Now, if they were seeking peace in that moment, they might have bowed down to Britain, and they might have avoided war at the time. However, we would not have the freedoms that we have today, and we would not have the nation that we have today had they begged for peace. Peace came, real peace came, because men were willing to fight for it. They were willing to contend for it. At times, we have to stand for what is right, even if it causes conflict, so that we can have peace down the road, the right kind of peace. Let me remind you of what James makes clear. Peace is not our ultimate goal. He said, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. And by the way, it can only be peaceable when it is pure. Purity, holiness is so important. It's one of the aspects of peace. A nation dedicated to disarmament is headed for destruction. More lives are saved by those who will are willing to fight than those that lay down uh, for wrong. Ray Bradbury said, war is a bad thing, but peace can be a living horror. That doesn't make any sense unless we look at peace in this light. Peace is doing the right thing and fighting for the right thing. We're in a generation today that demands the absence of all conflict. You can't disagree. If you disagree and you're planning to speak at their college campus, you get canceled, you get uh, you aren't able to come because nobody's feelings can be hurt. They used to be our young men liberated nations. Now they seek safe spaces. So we lay down as our liberties are trampled. Peace is everything. No, no. Righteousness is everything, not peace. And when we lay down uh, and allow wrong, then we will lose our peace eventually anyway. A nation finds she has a thousand times more peace by fighting for right than for laying down for wrong. By the way, we should not desire or seek peace with the wicked anyway. God said it twice, Isaiah 48, 22, There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. Isaiah 57, 21, There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. We have war at times, so we might have peace in the long term. He that is willing to fight for a day uh, will have peace for years tomorrow. But the problem is we don't like the battle. No one likes the battle. Who likes confrontation? And people say that once in a while. I just don't like confrontation. you got to be a psycho if you like confrontation. Nobody likes confrontation uh, normally. And so uh, we, we avoid those things. But if we never take a stand for right, then we will not maintain our liberty. Unless we have some people who are willing to stand up and fight, we lose the liberties we have today. We see that in our nation. We also see it in our home. If you're in, if in your home, you tolerate wrong just so you can have some peace, you'll eventually have no peace. 
If you let your child live like the devil because you want to avoid the conflict, then you'll never have peace. I have found over the long run that your peace will be far more disrupted if you ignore the current battle. In the long run, it'll be far more disrupted in, in the home. Simply saying we have to put a higher priority on righteousness and purity and holiness in our home than we do on peace. If you put the priority on that, then uh, peace will be a byproduct of that. Now there's the way to have proper peace in your home then is to make righteousness king. As Joshua said, Joshua 24, 15, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. And he ends the verse, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We need men like that in our homes today that will honor His Word, that will be faithful to His church, that will reject worldliness. But you know what that will do? I'll tell you a secret. In your home, if you take that stand, you're going to have some battles. Why? Because children don't always like to do what's right. By the way, adults don't always like to do what's right either. And so there will be some battles. And uh, remember, a few of you might remember some years back, there's a man called uh, Dr. Benjamin Spock that wrote some books on how to raise children. And, and some of the things he was a proponent of is to let a child go his own way and express himself. If they fall on the floor and kick and scream themselves in circles, they're just expressing themselves. You know what the problem with that is that I believe that's what we have in our cities now with the looting and the burning and all those things going on. We have a bunch of spoiled kids that grew up and they're just expressing themselves. Where, 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 where they were at age five and at age six and at age ten, we just want to keep the peace. And now it's went from a minor problem to a major problem. I'm simply saying, if you want real peace in your life, you got to be able to stand up for right. And sometimes that causes conflict in the time being. It never pays to allow sin just to keep the peace. We see these qualifications, holiness and sacrifice. We see them in the life of Christ. He gives us the perfect example. In order for Jesus to bring peace with God to men, He had to be absolutely sinless, holiness, and He had to pay an enormous price, His blood, sacrifice. Paul spoke about this in Colossians 1.20, having made peace through the blood of His cross. You do, <laughs> the cross wasn't peaceful, but we got peace from it because Jesus was willing to make that sacrifice. These qualifications, holiness and sacrifice, are why so few people are peacemakers. We have to be righteous. We have to be holy to be a peacemaker. Why? Because sin causes strife. Sin is the, is the, uh, is the author of strife. How can one who is causing strife be a peacemaker? Righteousness must come before peace. And so James tells us that the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. There's also a risk in being a peacemaker. The temptation is to let things slide. That's the easy thing to do in the home, in, in any area of our life. It's to let these things, just, just let it go. I just don't want to deal with it today. And, uh, the, but the peacemaker has to be willing to risk some pain and some displeasure. Sometimes true peace is taking a stand for purity and righteousness. And the risk is maybe you'll be called an unreasonable parent for a while, or maybe you'll be called, labeled as a confrontational Christian for a while. But in the long run, it always pays to take the risk to be a peacemaker. Ezekiel 13.10, uh, as we look at the purity of the peacemaker, listen to this verse, because even because they have seduced my people, saying, Peace, and there was no peace. 
And one built up a wall, and lo, others daubed it with untempered mortar. Say unto them which daub it with untempted mortar, that it shall fall, there shall be an overflowing shower, and ye, O great hailstone, shall fall, and a stormy wind shall rend it. How this speaks to our life. We tend to put putty over the cracks in our lives sometimes. And uh, Jeremiah 6.14, they have healed also the hurt of my daughter slightly. They, they didn't really fix it, they just healed it slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there was no peace. The person who is a peacemaker is honest with himself, honest with others, and honest with God. He admits when there's problems there, instead of pretending they're not there. And Ezekiel warned us against acting as if it all is well, when it isn't well. It's like putting plastering over the cracks of a wall. The plaster looks good, but when the rain comes, the true nature of that wall is revealed and it crumbles. How many relationships have crumbled because uh, people would not honestly admit their problems and it holds until the conflict comes, until the rain comes, until the problems come, and then it falls apart. The peacemaker admits that there's a problem if it exists. He does not simply say peace, peace when there is no peace. Pretending there are no problems does not solve them. There have been times in our church where I sense a relationship is just is something's not right. You've, you've had that before. And you just sense something's not right between somebody else. And you know, maybe go and ask them and try to talk to them. And, oh, no, 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 I have no problem. Everything's fine. Everything's good until they're not here anymore. And that's what that is. It's putting plaster on cracks and everything looks good, but it's not good. And when it's not good, we need to deal with it. And sometimes peace, ultimate peace, is confrontational in the moment. We need to take care of these things. There's a price of being a peacemaker. The peacemaker must be pure, must be willing to pay the price. That's why there's so few peacemakers. The qualifications, again, were exemplified in the, in the life of Jesus. Uh, to bring peace for God, uh, from God to mankind, Jesus had to be sinless and pay that enormous price of his blood. We have to be righteous to be a peacemaker because sin causes strife. Now, Looking at all this, what are some robbers of peace in our life? Because again, we can't be a peacemaker unless we have peace, the peace of God in our own life. Well, let's look at a few. First of all, sin, obviously, robs us of peace. Nothing will rob your life of peace like sin. Psalm 38, 3, there is no soundness in my flesh because of mine anger. There is there, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. Until sinful behavior is changed to righteousness, there cannot be peace. And many times, friends, the truth will produce anger before it produces happiness. Righteousness will produce antagonism before it produces harmony. Even the gospel itself produces bad feelings before it produces good feelings. What does the gospel say? You are a sinner that deserves hell. That's unpleasant. That's not easy to hear. That hurts our pride. But then there's good news that follows that. But there has to be that confrontation of our sin before we get there. A person who does not mourn over his own sin, already passed that one uh, in verse 4, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. A person who does not mourn over their sin will never know true peace. Like a surgeon's scalpel, the word of God must cut before it heals. Peace cannot come where sin remains. The great enemy of peace in our life is sin. Sin separates us uh, from God and causes disharmony 
between him and us and enmity with him. The world is so filled with strife today, filled with war and conflict because it is filled with sin. And as we read it a minute ago, Isaiah 48, 22, there is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. Secondly, arguing with the foolish robs of peace. Listen to this verse in Proverbs 29, 9. If a wise man contendeth with a foolish man, whether he rage or laugh, there is no rest. Basically, what he's saying, whether you win or lose, you won't have any peace. Because it's in, in the act itself, you'll lose your peace. Firefighters in Genoa, Texas, uh, set more than 40 fires. And when they were caught, this is what one of them said, we had nothing to do, we just wanted to get some action. So they went out and set fires so they could fight the fires. Can I tell you, the job of firefighters is to put out fires, not to start them. And the job of Christians and God's people is to resolve conflict, not start more of it. And we need to be careful of that. I see it on social media all the time. Christians wanting to start arguments. Other preachers even. They'll, they'll put a very controversial statement up. And I know what they're doing. They're looking to start a fight. They love it when 50 people uh, comment underneath it and go back and forth. And they, that's not what we're about. We're not to be fighters or brawlers, the Bible says. Arguing with the foolish robs us of peace. Number three, anger and bitterness robs us of peace. Proverbs 15.1, grievous words stir up anger. Anger makes us do stupid things. It can lead us, uh, lead to grievous words. It can lead to bitterness. Tuesday morning, last uh, 6.30 a.m., I'm out at the end of my driveway. I'm trying to do what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 17.20 when he said, if you have the grain of a, uh, faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. The snowplow had left a mountain for me at the end of my driveway. And so I stood there. I focused on it. I prayed. And I said, remove yonder to other place. And it would not go anywhere. So I had to pick up my shovel. And I had to do it myself. And uh, you've done it before. It's like shoveling cinder blocks. It's heavy. It's solid. And it's unpleasant. And it was cold. And uh, I must have worked probably about 20 minutes. And if this is the width of the driveway, I got about halfway done uh, enough to get one vehicle out. And I stopped to uh, just rest for a minute, and uh, I did. I heard a noise, and I looked down the street, and here he comes. He comes again. And uh, the snowplow driver had more faith than I did because he removed mountain back to yonder place. As soon as he drove by, <laughs> there it was again. Like I had never even touched it in the first place. And uh, I said, God loves you, and so do I. I didn't say that. I won't tell you what I said. But... Uh, we can get angry. There's a lot in life that can make us angry. And anger destroys your peace. It leads to bitterness. And I'm not bitter about that. I've mostly forgotten about it. I've just told a few people. But uh, modern, medicine, modern medicine tells us that emotions like bitterness and anger causes lots of problems to our physical well-being. It can give us headaches, backaches, ulcers, a high blood pressure, heart attacks, and that's just the beginning of the list. I'll tell you what else it'll do. It'll steal your peace. We need to fight anger in our life. We need to fight bitterness. 
and not let it get a root in our life. Also, worry robs us of peace. Worry. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you are worry warts at heart? You worry. Do you know the average child laughs 400 times a day? Do you know that? The average adult laughs 15 times a day. Something happened to 385 laughs every day of your life. What happened to those 385 laughs? We know what happened. Mortgages, job stresses, uncertain future. Now we got bills to pay. We have all these problems we didn't have as children. Uh, it all adds up to one thing, worry. And we tend to worry far too much. Worries are like babies. The more you nurse them, the more they grow. And yet we do that, even though there is no real reason why a child of God should ever worry. George Mueller said, worry is a mild form of atheism. And there are, <laughs> I read this the other day, there's two things you should not worry about. The things that you can't help and the things that you can help. Because the things that you can't help won't change a bit by worrying. Not going to do anything for it. And the things that you can help, don't worry about it. Get up and do something about it. So you oughtn't worry about either. Uh, worry will rob your peace. Worry is like a rocking chair. Gives you something to do, it'll never take you anywhere. Uh, it'll just, just keep you busy. Proverbs 12.25, Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Put your trust in a loving God. Fret not because He loves you, John 13.1. Faint not because He holds you, Psalm 139.10. Fear not because He keeps you, Psalm 121.5. Replace your worry with trust and you're on your way to peace. Lao Tzu said this, if you're depressed, you're living in the past. If you worry or are anxious, you're living in the future. If you're at peace, you're living in the present. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now, like with the other Beatitudes, uh, this the word, original word autai is used here on the they. Uh, it means they and only they. Uh, only if you do this will that happen. Only those people that fulfill the requirement will be called the children of God. If you want divine rewards, you have to fill the divine requirements. Okay, So, you could put it this way in our English language, blessed are the peacemakers, for only they shall be called the children of God. Now, the result here, uh, called the children of God, has been misunderstood by some to think it means salvation. Uh, but this verse says you'll be called the children of God, not made the child of God. There's a big difference here. To be made a child of God is to be renewed in His image, uh, to be made in His likeness, to be saved. To, to, but to be called the child of God is simply to be seen as such. Would you agree along with me that there are some people who have been called Christians that haven't been made Christians? There are some Christians that have been made Christians, but they aren't called Christians much because of the way they live. This is not talking about salvation at all. It's simply telling us as Christians, you want to be known as a Christ follower? You want people to see Jesus in your life? You want when people look at you to say, now that's got to be a Christian. That's a Christ follower. What do people see when they examine your life? What will they call you? If you want to show Christ, be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. It's the evidence of your Christianity. And we need that evidence in our life. I think it's interesting uh, that this is one thing, one of the Beatitudes that if you do this, 
people are going to know you're a Christian. They'll call you a Christian. If there was, if you were arrested today and you're dragged into court on the charge of being a Christian and they had to go out and collect evidence, would they find it? Would there be enough evidence to convict you? I mean, they're going to bring in lots of the people you work with. They'll bring in your family. And they're going to interview people. and They're going to have witnesses who are going to attest to your character and how you handle conflict and trouble in your life. Would there be evidence to convict you as a Christian? That's what this is talking about. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. What do you want to be called? Are you carrying around in your life gasoline or a fire extinguisher? If you will be a peacemaker, it will require a little bit of sacrifice on your part. Sometimes we have to give up our rights. Sometimes we have to, uh, as, as the Bible says, prefer one another over ourselves. Sometimes we have to do that. There has to be holiness. There has to be righteousness in your life. You've got to be living for God uh, to have that peace. It will require, by the way, a passion for peacemaking as well. And that's what we are, want to do as we look at this beatitude today. Blessed are the peacemakers. Is that you today? I hope so. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. As we looked at this word specifically today, I want you to ask yourself, is that you? Are you a peacemaker? Uh, the first step in being a peacemaker is to have peace with God yourself. Do you have peace with God in your heart? Are you a Christian? Are you saved? Uh, do you know for sure that God is your Father? That's the beginning of peace. And then what do you do with it? Are you sharing it with others? Is life more about you or are you uh, making an effort to try to bring peace to the world around you? Would you stand along with me? Just keep your heads bowed, eyes closed as she begins to play. We'll give you an opportunity to respond.